I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, Beach Tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated, plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. Welcome to the third day of my July book blast. This is Beach Reads Wednesday, and I'll be releasing lots of episodes this week and next to get all these great beach reads out and also books that have come out during the quarantine or books that I think you just need to read at this time. And I just don't want you to miss these authors for any longer. So anyway, here are some great beach reads. Each episode this week will have a book that I think you should curl up with and read if you ever find the time. Brooke Fassi was once an aerospace engineer with secret clearance before she traded it all in for motherhood and writing. She's a past president and an honorary lifetime member of DFW Writers Workshop. Her work can be found in numerous publications, including Ruminate Magazine and Smoke Long Quarterly. Her debut novel, The Big Finish, was published from Penguin Berkeley. And when she's not writing, you can find her in Dallas, Texas with her husband, four kids, and their dog, Rufus. She still occasionally does math. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Moms don't have time to read books. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Can you please tell listeners what The Big Finish is about? And congratulations on your debut novel. It's really exciting. Well, thank you. The Big Finish is about an 88-year-old man named Duffy Sinclair. And he's living his last days in peace at Centennial Assisted Living, except it's all disrupted when his roommate's troubled granddaughter climbs through their bedroom window and... He has to reassess his legacy and his past and make some decisions <laughs> as chaos ensues. And what, I was so interested that you, you, you would choose to tell a story from the point of view of an 88-year-old man. Tell me about that. How, how did you come up with the idea for this book? <laughs> I always say I have an 88-year-old man living inside of me somewhere. I'm like an old curmudgeon. <laughs> no, but truly, I actually, I came up with the idea when I was visiting my grandpa at the assisted living, and I would bring all of my kids. And like you, I have four children. And it was chaos. It was controlled chaos. I did a lot of just collecting them, trying to make sure they didn't run away. But I was inspired because everyone there despite their age, had such rich histories and such fantastic personalities. And I decided they all deserved a book. But more than that, they just deserved to be the heroes of the book. And so that was the seed. And I loosely based my main character off of my grandpa. And Josie, who's trouble but also brings a lot of joy, is kind of my kids, basically, is how it happened. I feel like a lot of trouble and a lot of joy is a good description of basically any kid. <laughs> sort of. hundred <laughs> percent. I know I saw the picture of you with your four kids seeing your book in a bookstore for the first time on Instagram. And that was so great. <laughs> How exciting. Yeah. 
And I had one teenager that was underwhelmed by it all, but what are you going to do? <laughs> I could see, I have two, I'll have two almost 13 year olds. And I, uh, anyway, I relate to that, <laughs> to that montage. <laughs> did you give your grandfather the book? Like, did he get a chance to read it? Is- you know what? He passed before I had finished. You know what? In fact, I think I may have finished the draft, but he did not get to see it published. Aww. But I, I know he's smiling down on me and he's probably pretty proud. So, yeah. what was, so what was the process like writing this novel and why write a novel now? Like what, where did that come from in your life? So it's really funny. I was an engineer, a profession. I got two degrees in it and I worked at Lockheed on the Joint Strike Fighter, which is the F-35 plane. And then I started having a bunch of kids. And after four of them, I decided I was going to stay home. And I really am glad that I made that decision. But at the same time, I was slowly going insane because I had four kids in five years. And so it was a little bit of luck here. You know, during that time, I opened up my computer and I started writing and I couldn't stop. And so I would look forward to these nap times because I would start going into a different world. And I I finished a couple books and I started to practice the craft and really get serious. And so it took me about 10 years to get here, but it's been fun. It's, it's basically a very late in life passion that I discovered. Wow, that's amazing. I feel like such a, a waste of space when I talk to so many authors like you who use their kids' nap times to write books. And I was like, I emailed. Like, why did I waste all those naps? Like, I tried to, like, catch up on thank you notes or whatever else I was doing, like bills. And, like, everybody else is sitting around writing beautiful novels or practicing the craft. And anyway. Well, you could see my house during that. Like, I could have been doing something else also productive, but I, that was my outlet. So it was fun for me. That's awesome. And how has it been? I know this is such a crazy time in the world, A, and to have a book come out, B, what has this whole process like been at this stage, having worked for so long to get this out into the world? You know, it's just been a lot of, there's been an expectation gap, obviously, and I'm glad that my family and I are very adaptable. So we've just kind of rolled with it. I mean, what are you going to do? You just have to accept it and keep moving. So, you know, it was disappointing. We canceled the parties. We canceled all sorts of events. But then I learned how to use a lot of technology and I did more online stuff than I ever imagined. So I'm well equipped now at the house. Although you couldn't tell it by looking at me at the moment. <laughs> I know. I'm like, if we ever do go back to real life, now I have all these skills. Like, <laughs> I know, right? Throw me on a platform and let me find my way out. You know. <laughs> oh my gosh. After working on that book, are you st- working on another novel or do you just, are you constantly thinking of new ideas or how does the writing process look for you? So I am working on another novel and it's, it's cooking and I'm, I'm what they call a pantser. So I don't, I don't like the plot. I just kind of like to explore and surprise myself as I write. And I hope that shows up in my writing um, because as you read, you might be surprised a time or two, but I can't say too much about it because I'm not a plotter, but I can say that there are some soap operas involved. I think it's an homage to soap operas in a way because I'm Greek American and my great grandmother, she learned how to speak English by watching soap operas. And so I've just kind of taken that and ran with it. Very little has, very little has to do with my family besides that, but. How did your family end up in Texas from Greece? Uh, Well, (laughs) I'm I'm third generation. So my, my family has been here for a while. Yeah. 
Got it. Okay. Sorry, random question. But no, you're I was fine. just thinking if I was coming from Greece, how would you end up in Texas? I don't know. <laughs> but, um, uh, the American melting pot is an amazing thing. Yes. <laughs> so what kind of books do you like to read? Do you like to read fiction like this? Or who are some of your role model authors or books that you've read lately that you've really enjoyed? Oh, I, I love all books, basically. I, every book I read, because I never took a proper writing class, I underline a lot when I see something that's interesting. So basically every author that I'm reading at the moment is my favorite because they're teaching me. But I love Peace Like a River by Leif Anger is one of my favorite books. And I'm a Dave Eggert fan, and Patchett. I love Tana French. So I like a lot of literary-ish novels that are accessible, is how I would put it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I, just, I might steal that <laughs> to, to describe categories of books. That's awesome. Yeah. Once you add ish to something, it, it's, yeah. the umbrella gets bigger. So, <laughs> And when you write, so you're, you're a pantser, do you have, without any outlines or anything, where do you like to write? Do you like to write at home? Are you the type of person who can write anywhere or do you, are you like very much like I have to be in this corner of my house or what's it like? <laughs> what's your process? What's your, what's your process like? Well, I think it was, I'm like a dog that was trained. So as I was writing during nap time, it was basically quiet and it didn't matter where I was. I just had to have some time by myself. So that's what it's turned into for me. I will drive a kid to practice and I will sit in my car and do it then. Or I will get everyone into bed and I will sit and do it then. My only requirement is honestly that it's quiet and that nobody's bothering me because as I write, I have a tendency to talk out loud like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. So I can't go to bookstores or coffee shops. Some of my friends will invite me for little writing dates. And I'm like, I can't. I look like a crazy person. So what are you saying out loud? Are you writing it and then reading it out loud to see how it sounds? Yes. I do a lot of audible stuff and the writing workshops that I belong to. We do a lot of read alouds. And I think that's also trained me just to listen to what it sounds like, what it's going to sound like to the reader, basically. And and to be fair, I also do a little acting, I think. A little acting? <laughs> sure, why not? I mean, so you can get their gestures and their tone and how they're going to say something. So, Did you end up narrating the audiobook for your own book? <laughs> no, a really excellent voice actor did it named Mark Bramhall, and he did a fantastic job. So. Well, probably better. Yeah to be a man. But anyway, (laughs) I was just thinking you could use that skill. I actually just interviewed a voiceover actor, I guess. And I was like, wow, it never occurred to me. I should have like tried out for that job. (laughs) I mean, there's so many jobs out there that are like, you don't even know. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, it's silly. It's fascinating. No, I agree. I think I explore that a lot in my writing because my career choice has kind of taken a left turn. And I do, I see so many jobs out there where I'm like, that would be interesting. Now that would be interesting. So I feel that. So how do you think your engineering mind works well with fiction? Do you feel like any of the, of the strengths of that apply when you're crafting narratives? Or do you think this is just another skill set and you just have different parts of your brain that kind of jump in at different times? You know, I think it's twofold. I think it helps me because I think a book is just a really long equation that you're trying, or a big puzzle that you're trying to put together. And so in that way, I feel like I'm solving a problem. But on the flip side, I feel like my engineering does me a disservice because in math, there's always a right answer. And I can get to the end of a scene or the end of the book even and think, is this right? And there's no way to know really, because it's art. So it just depends on which side of my brain is dominant at the moment. 
Wow. Well, how great to be able to have them both. You know, so many people are like, I'm only a this type of thinker. So, <laughs> no. How involved are your kids in your writing? Have they read your book? Like, are they really excited? Do they not really care? <laughs> they haven't read it. And I told them I would prefer them to wait only because I want them to appreciate it. And I don't know that they will right now. It's not that it's inappropriate or anything like that, but there's some themes that have to do with life and death. And when you're a kid, you are invincible. So I think that you need a little perspective to appreciate it. But generally speaking, I don't think they care. (laughs) If only there was a way to get the kids to really like, I'm like, hey, guess what, guys? I'm like, yeah, do you have any more milk? I'm like, all right, whatever. (laughs) You're talking to the, yeah, you're talking to a famous person who cares. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, what advice would you have to aspiring authors? I think my only advice is to give yourself permission to write because, and this is from my own personal experience, all by itself, it feels like a very silly endeavor to sit and write made up stuff. It does. And I think that our adult brains kind of can stop us from just going there. And if you want to write something and you have a story on your heart, all you have to do is give yourself permission to go ahead and start writing it. And don't worry about the critics or your inner critic saying, this is silly. I have a good friend that always tells me when I'm like, oh, my story feels silly or my short story. And he's like, describe The Wizard of Oz to me. And I'll say, oh, it's about a girl that gets sucked up in a tornado and lands in a weird world. I mean, it sounds so silly, right? If you really think about it. So I think that's it. Just make your adult mind be quiet and go for it. And you did just offhandedly mention that you wrote many novels as you were on your way to this one. And you didn't even say it in a way like, it was hard, I, these novels didn't sell or whatever. You just like, it sounded like you viewed them as practice. Like those were just the things you had to do to get to where you were. Is that the attitude you took all the way through it? I think the writing workshop that I belonged to was very informative as far as that goes, because they celebrate rejection because it means you're putting yourself out there. And I liken it to if you pick up the violin and decide you want to play in the orchestra, you don't get to be in the pit, right? You have to put in the time and earn your stripes before you play. And I think writing's a strange thing because everybody can write. Everybody can write a sentence. So in a way, people think, well, I could write a story, but there's a craft to it that you actually have to learn and practice before you can metaphorically play in the pit. And so, yeah, I wrote a bunch of books, but some of them are really terrible, And they won't see the light of day, and that's okay. And what makes a book not a terrible book in your mind? And how did you fix whatever it was you felt you were doing wrong? I think that as you move along, you start learning different parts of the craft. And so, you know, whether one book I got really good at dialogue, and then the next book I got really great at characterization. And then, you know, for me, my most difficult thing is is plotting. Obviously, my cancer tendencies don't help. So you just sort of build on your skill set every time you write. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your process and your book and all the rest. Well, likewise, Debbie. <laughs> I'm so pleased to be here. And I just, you know, when I saw you had four kids, I thought, oh, we are kin. We're secret kin that we don't even know each other. But yes, now we do. I know. I, I felt the same way when I read that about you. I was like, ah, okay. Well, Yeah. <laughs> There's a a lot we understand without even having to say. (laughs) I love it. 
<laughs> All right. Well, have a great day and thanks for coming right. on the show. Okay. All bye-bye. Right. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Beach Reads Wednesday episode from my big July book blast. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope you've enjoyed getting to know some of these amazing authors. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.